0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful fall Saturday morning here in the Pacific Northwest, specifically Springfield, Oregon. I am very, 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 very excited to be talking to our mayor once again, uh, Mayor Sean Van Gordon of Springfield, Oregon. And I'm going to begin by reading his bio for those of you that do not know him or have not met him. And maybe if you do know who Mayor Van Gordon is, maybe there's things about him you didn't know that you'll learn in this bio. Sean Van Gordon is the mayor of Springfield, Oregon, and the director of industrial engineering for United Healthcare. Sean is a thought leader and an innovator in government and business. He is an advocate for families and businesses. His, focuses, his focus areas include housing, economic development, and transportation policy. Sean moved to the area from Douglas County in 2001 to attend the University of Oregon where he earned a Master's Degree in Economics and a Bachelor's Degree in Political Science. He and his wife Elaine bought their first home in Springfield in 2007. In 2011, he joined the Springfield City Council and represented the Gateway Area, which is Ward 1. Sean has served on numerous committees and boards over the years, including the Planning Commission, Poverty and Homelessness Board, and the Lane Area Committee on Transportation. During his time as an elected official, Springfield began a period of significant growth and evolution. Downtown Springfield experienced a renaissance becoming a center for arts, culture, and food. The Gateway District welcomed an expansion to the shops at Gateway, new corporate locations for national and global industries, and became home to the iconic Springfield flame. Springfield is an increasingly diverse economy and serves as a hub of manufacturing, service, tourism, and healthcare industries. Additionally, Willamalane Park and Recreation District has been a tireless partner in creating a world-class park and recreation system. Sean played a critical role in getting the 2018 street bond passed and lobbied to have 42nd Street included in the 2017 state transportation bill. He was an advocate to expand access to Springfield, public library cards, for families families residing outside of the city limits. He also sat on the steering committee for G Street Oasis, the day center for unhoused families in Springfield. As mayor, Sean works to create a community of opportunity for everyone, a place where you want to choose to build a future and raise your family. His vision is to build on Springfield's legacy of getting things done, quote unquote, to create a distinctive community. Sean lives in Springfield with his wife, the Wonder Twins, Katie and Levy, and Trahan? Trajan. Trajan, a Labrador. He is an avid reader of history, economics, and politics. He is a longtime fan of the University of Oregon Duck Sports and enjoys traveling. Mayor Sean Van Gordon, welcome to Molina Leadership Solutions. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, good. It's, it's definitely a pretty one out there.
0: It is a beautiful day. Um, how long have you been mayor now? How are things going?
1: Uh, let's see. I've been mayor since January 18th. Um, oh. So things are going great. Um, it's been exciting and I've learned a ton and I've gotten to meet a, a lot, uh, just a lot of people is, you know, Springfield is constantly moving and growing. Um, so it's been pretty exciting so far.
0: What were some of the initial challenges you found as the new mayor of springfield you know everything has its integration and reception issues how do you feel that what were some of the initial challenges you felt internally about this new weighted responsibility that you carry
1: um so the funny the the funny one was that that between when when i became mayor and i had about two weeks to give the big the the big state of the city presentation right so that was sort of the initial one where you feel like you're sort of a little bit behind on your homework um they hit the staff had really done a good job of sort of putting all the information together but you know on on day two you know there's this question about that comes up about well you've got to get you know under the charter you're required to sort of give this speech and give this message to the city about where you're supposed where we want to go over the next year and it still doesn't have any of the the life and vision that you sort of breathed into it. Right. So, um, you know, outside of the normal sort of challenges of where we were in 20 coming out of 2020, I kind of started feeling like, Hey, look, you know, I hadn't worked on any of my homework yet. Um, But, you know, beyond that um, one of the things I thought was it, it was sort of just an adjustment to getting the, the biggest initial challenge was just an adjustment to get everything kind of going again, because we had, we had to get another counselor, right. Um, we had a new counselor and counselor Rodley who had just literally joined us. Um, we were still working in a, um, pretty remote environment and really kind of getting to the day in day out of how does, how does, a, how does a council work and move and breathe? Uh, that was probably has been a lot of the work that has been, that I've done in the last year.
0: Well, I appreciate your observations because I know for the city as a citizen and a resident of this city, we were all looking forward to the relaunching of our city government, looking forward to the relaunching of the mayoral position, uh, looking forward to getting our city council fully staffed and manned and reinvigorated. And so hearing it from your your position, from your perspective, it kind of brought new life to me as I'm listening to you speak, that we had all our expectations from our side as your constituents, but listening to you be in the middle of that, and you're aware of that responsibility, but the expanded responsibility of making sure that the elected government of this city becomes fully functional as quickly as possible, getting assignments made, getting your state of the city prepared, getting, trying to get our city relaunched uh, quickly. With that said, how do you think it's gone since uh, January 18th?
1: Um, I'm always, uh, you know, an optimist at heart. I think, I think it's gone great. Uh, One of the things that I think's really happened is, you know, the community, and this isn't a a city government issue, but like, as we sort of moved into the, you know, um, this, the 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 state of vaccinations, right, like, right, there was a sort of moment when we, you know, things are felt like they were kind of opening up, you know, the, you know, the weather brought a little bit of optimism that, um, that came along with it, um, you know, there's nothing, government moves slow, right, big, complex organizations move slow. But, you know, just having the steady sort of progress of going, okay, what do we need to do next, right? How do we kind of move, move forward out of this, this year of 2020 and kind of, bring, kind of bring everybody together and, you know, talk about the, the big challenges that we face? Um, it's not always right. It's not always easy, but we're definitely making progress.
0: And for those that are listening, I have not sent any questions over to Mayor Van Gordon, we are just interviewing today. We want to, he wants to talk about the openings and opportunities to volunteer, but I just want to ask him some general questions and uh, help us to better understand how things for, are going from the city in his perspective. Uh, how are things do you feel that are going for, uh, with regards to the budget?
1: So the, the budget is always a unique challenge, right? So because, you know, you're always sort of looking, you know, long-term Springfield does have a, a fiscal gap, right? Like like all organizations that are our size, if you look out four or five years, there's always something that we're trying to solve from a long-term perspective. The advantage that we have right now is that we can, you know, that there's some one-time funds coming in from, from essentially the... The rescue plan that will have the ability to sort of backfill and level off um, some of the additional issues that we, you know, that we have long term so for is it is constituents right really people just simply need to be need need to sort of understand that growth helps us right economic development and vitality sort of helps us, Um, but when you look out into the out years. It's sort. It's normal, but we're still still sort of going. Okay, how do we sort of close a gap? Always get ourselves on some sort of um, you know, uh, be good financial stewards mm-hmm. of of the taxpayers. The biggest thing that I think the public doesn't realize is, you know, your tax, your property tax bill only pays about half the bills on at in the city council at, at city hall. Another uh, half comes from you know fees permitting right other other issues right so that's one thing that is always like oh, whoa how did that happen and then the other piece that is always interesting for folks is to understand the public safety uh, between fire and fire and life safety and police spends more than what our property tax bills are right so you know from a financial perspective it's always something that we're kind of monitoring we're watching but at the end we want to be stewards so that we can actually just have a good functioning community
0: that's really important. I appreciate that uh, after serving on the budget committee for the city and now I'm on the budget committee for Willamalane, Lane as well as being a sub board member and always concerned about the, the budget. Uh, this, this is a really important topic. It's a very complex topic. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate you making mentioning of the fact that you're making decisions four to five years trying to solve problems from a long term perspective and that you're there's always a a fiscal gap that you're always challenged uh, Mm -hmm. trying to resolve and have a plan for so for us your constituents how did the rescue plan from the federal government what kind of impact did it have for our city government locally
1: so the rescue plan does a couple of things right like and you've got in you've got you still have places where we're spending cares money, which was the original, co- like the original COVID money, and I'm using we to, you know, kind of reference broader, broader Lane Lane County. So there were state dollars that we could go out and compete for, um, and then there were dollars that we got specifically allocated, and then there's county dollars that we can that we can specifically go out and and compete for. So. When um, the the local legislative districts um, had money that they could could allocate from a from a planning perspective, um, ours, that they could allocate that we could work with our legislators to get. So, in that case, you know the cities partnered with you know uh, Senator Beyer, Representative Lively, um, their specific projects that the dollars that they could sort of earmarks the wrong term, but that they could have could allocate helped. Here's a good example. You know we have that levy out on 42nd street we needed it we needed a study long term to figure out what the things made of so we can figure out how to plan for that piece of infrastructure money out of the rescue plan helped pay for that um there's going to be a uh you know an internet hotel that's going to get put in downtown to help with high-speed fiber that the city's going to own money from the rescue plan paid for that too right so there's stuff that's behind the scenes that is sort of setting us up long term for where we where we go from there. Um, specifically, money that the city got allocated. Um, you know, we're still in the process of, of discussing how, how we're going to allocate that money. It's, you know, we've got like four years to sort of spend it. Some of the money is going to sort sort of um, smooth out the level of service that we have here and deal with some of the budget gaps we have, sort of long term, you know, short term. Some of it's going to go into some building maintenance that we that that we have. Um, you know, we've got an elevator that needs fixed, and you know, to get into City Hall, it will help from an ADA perspective. So there's it's there's just the the rescue money that is related to COVID is really really broad, but it's also touching a lot of pieces to pieces of the city. So there's really not going to be one place you can come back to and say, hey, look, you know, all, our rescue money came, and this is the thing that happened because it's sort of doing a lot.
0: Well, I appreciate you use the term compete. I think it's important for constituents that don't necessarily understand the budget process or application process, or maybe a better term is the allocation process, that that money is not necessarily a guaranteed amount to each individual jurisdiction, but that there is indeed an application process that, that depending on the, the legislative body, That they depend that they determine how much a particular uh, municipality receives. Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. So some of it was fixed funding from the from the from the feds. You know, they looked at our total census and said, "Hey, this is the amount of money you get." And some we really have to go talk to and lobby for. But this is a place that it's that there's a lot of work being done to make sure that we like. There's our community's in a fantastic spot. But we still have places that if we do the work today and we do the work in the next five years, we're going to set ourselves up for success for when, you know, your daughter's living here and working here professionally.
0: Yeah, she's already, though she's nine, she's already uh, showed us where she wants us to live. When she gets older, she wants our house and she wants us to move into this uh, elder care facility that's right at 57th and Mount uh, Mount Vernon so that we we'll, we'll, can be close to her so she can come and visit us and that someone will be there to take care of us, she says. And so she says, when I'm living in the house, you can live with me until I can't take care of you anymore. Then you guys can live over here, you're right down the street, so I can visit you every day.
1: I, I'm glad she has a plan already. I okay. mean, it, it seems like it's, it, you got a couple more years
0: <laughs> I hope so um, let's talk about how do you feel the, the vibrancy of the city downtown movement the economy what's your take on the vibrancy of how things are going along
1: um I I think we're all st- starting to fi- trying to figure out the sort of story of the you know, you know the vibrancy right question right because there's an economic sort of vibrancy and a community vibrancy I'm going to tell a story that you know about something that happened downtown on the 2nd and that this is community vibrancy and the economic piece, that's probably a longer conversation for you and I to have after this. Um, so, uh, so the library had an event for Day of the Dead, uh, you know, in downtown, right? Um, and that was something that they've historically had, you know, um, and, you know, it was, uh, it, w- it was absolutely fantastic, right? Like, you know, w- The seeing people in downtown celebrating culture in the plaza um, was, you know, the music and the dancing and just the the vibe of it was great. That same day when I was walking, like I had showed up at city hall just a little bit earlier so I could, you know, pick up my mail and, you know, sign off, um, uh, you know, sign any forms that they had. Right. And walking out of city hall, a gentleman from it came, came to me and, uh, and said, you know, hey look, I had brought snacks for Diwali that was happening over the same window and they're over in the HR wing if you will, right? So if you think about the vibrancy of this community for a second, in the same day, right, we've got, you know, the some staff folks celebrating Diwali and in the plaza we have community groups gathering to celebrate Dia de los Muertos.
0: That's very good. That's very exciting to hear. Um... Springfield library has become the center of culture in ways that wouldn't was maybe I'll use a term maybe unforeseen or unexpected because I don't have a better term to use. But 20 years ago, this was not what it looked like the library and how it has expanded its cultural services, so to speak to the city on a very broad level, very high energy, Uh, all the ways they responded during the pandemic, readings and talent shows and all of those things, that's got to be a source of inspiration for you as the mayor and our city leaders, I would think.
1: It's been absolutely fantastic. And it didn't, like, this didn't, where they're at right now didn't just show up from COVID, right? This This has been years in the making where they as a group have really found... Um, like f- found their time, like it's a, it is a catalytic, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a catalytic moment at the library for the services that they're providing. Um, some of it was investment that people did, right? Like we, you know, updating the plaza up front, uh, out front, you know, bringing the museum into the library was really good long-term planning that, you know, that that we did, you know, from a council perspective, but like the library's been fantastic. Um, and it's, I feel like they're just finding their moment though I do have to share a funny story. I texted the library director about this yesterday. Um, my my wife and daughters left to go to the library yesterday to drop off books, pick up a new set of books, right? The girls packed extra books because they were afraid the library had run out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, I really like our library and I like all the areas that the children can go and really participate and engage in, in the learning process. Yeah um let's talk just a few minutes before we get to boards and commissions and committees all the building that's going on and housing here in the city what does that look like what do you how do you feel about its progress uh do we have a lot we can be looking forward to as far as creating housing for our our residents
1: um I think the housing conversation is always complex complex that Right, right now, if we think about, we want people to move to this community to live. And part of that is you have to find, you have to find affordable housing, right? So from a, from a plan perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, um, from a timing perspective, you know, we're, we're set right now to have probably one of the best housing years that we've had in four or five years. If you look at housing starts in the city, going back 10 years, coming out of the last recession, it looks like a U. You know, we there. You know, 2014, 2015, we didn't build any housing. Like this problem has been um, brewing for a long time, and to be able to get our arms around it, we have to do be able to do and think in a very long term sense. So, it is not going to get solved tomorrow. But understanding that we are on the other end of that, you, our housing starts have gone up. Our previous record was last year for our ability to build new homes with Marcola Meadows really coming online, that's 750-ish new units of, you know, between multi, you know, uh, multi-family housing and single-family housing. Um, but I think we, if we built a thousand homes tomorrow in the city, we could fill them. Um, and that's that's the important, that's some of the important context. So long-term, One of the things I wanna see is, you know, continue to work, um, you know, find better partnerships with public agencies to kind of look at excess land and convert that that into affordable housing. Um, You know, as we sort of develop through Glenwood that will free up more units, but really have a kind of a left to right conversation about finding different places to put more housing. And then in the really long-term range, like in the 10 or 15 year range, we have to ask the question, do we have enough land here, you know, to build homes? Um, and how do we redevelop? And how do you know we're working on the development code right now? If you own a piece of property and have space in Springfield, we're probably the most cutting edge in what you're able to do with the land that you own um, to to build out and build units into your neighborhood. So it's there's a lot there, and I'll and I'll and I'll leave you with one kind of other piece of context, right? Um, there's still money that's available. There's an um, you know for the last the city gets a million dollar well it's not a million dollars a year but we have a million dollars sitting there for affordable housing units for federal dollars that people like that people can come and, and they can apply for but we just have to find space and develop develop projects that can meet the need
0: that's really exciting i was just going to ask you about that component of housing so thank you for answering that before i asked and before we move on i just want to When I interviewed our city manager, Nancy Newton, she gave her word that she would not allow the library to be cut and that she would make sure those cultural services would, as it's become such a centerpiece for the city, that it would remain. I just wanted to say that and I wanted to thank Nancy Newton for ensuring that uh, she has safeguarded that as, as she said she would. So let's transition. We have a number of volunteer opportunities here in the city of Springfield. And I have the um, website up, and there's opportunities, it looks like, on the Historic Commission, Springfield Arts Commission, Springfield Community Development Advisory Committee, Springfield Library Board, Springfield Museum Committee, Springfield Police Advisory Committee, and several more. Uh, Let's talk about what you and um, the rest of the officials would like to see for fulfilling these opportunities in our city.
1: Well, um, the we're going to start interviews in two weeks for them. Um, so um, I think my guess is we're going to have to put the applications out again. If because if I look for the amount of applicants that we have based on boards, we're still going to have spots that are open. Boards and commissions, and I and I don't um, and I don't know what you know what else uh, Sub does, but like boards and commissions are an important level of um, of city government because a this is the place that a lot of people get their first experience in how the actual function of function of government works and and then the other piece is like this is your ability to sort of change advise influence advocate um you know for what uh for what you want to you see in the city there, there is a lot of good work that happens on everything from budgets to um, thinking about giving like the arts commission gives out arts grants that the that the city funds um, you know that supports other cultural programming but we we need volunteers to be able to do that um, and engage in engage in uh, the sort of in, in with the government now there's two tracks really people have with this one of them is most people in um in society you know like they could start and volunteer and then you know after two years your life could change and you could need to focus on your business for a while that's perfectly normal and we have a lot of people in this community that do it the other thing that happens is that that's really where that next generation of leaders begins to sort of develop um, because you learn and then you go serve on another board right and then you support serve on planning commission and pretty soon you're in city hall um, on a regular basis, right? So understanding how to get experience for people that, um, that long-term want to serve in elected officials in official positions really becomes important. So um, in business, I give this advice to a lot of people, be, um, especially people who just start their families. When you say, like, what do you want to do with your career? They're going, I don't, I just started a family, right? Like I don't want to do anything right now, but five or 10 years from now, you know, I may want to do something. And really what I do what I what I often advise people is to sort of back up and do the initial steps to get to get ready. So if you are in a position that you're thinking that, you know, 10 years from now you want to run from city for city council, getting on the library advisory board right now could really help you. Um and in that moment, when that moment comes around, you will have already done all the pre-work and been ready and, and been ready to go.
0: And for those, for some, that might not even be the ultimate end goal it might be just as for those that are listening you might just want to serve your city and your neighborhoods and your community through these opportunities
1: and that's really normal too if like if we went into um and you know talked to the leaders in the community there's people that you'll find their names on work that they've done in the school board and then for sub and then for city hall because they just constantly come through and volunteer both are acceptable paths
0: what about the i don't know if it's written policy or just um f- informal policy that if for springfield itself someone like me who's a sub board member you really shouldn't apply for any board because you're not going to be accepted because you're an elected official for sub
1: um i actually think that's an interesting that's something that the council decided um i don't know maybe five or six years ago um, we've waved it a couple we've waived it a couple of times, but here's really where our argument, like where, where that really came from, is if you're an elected official as it exists today, like oftentimes, you know, elected officials talk, right? Like, you know, if like Mark, if your opinion, you know, if you have an opinion on something in the city, like you will almost guaranteed to get a phone, you know, a phone call back back from me, right? Um, And we were in a position when we had made that sort of policy where we had um, elected officials at the time like sitting in two or three different spots, and we had tried to pull back from that because that was sort of taking up spots for, um, you know, that we could try to find for other citizens to find for voices that we don't normally hear from. And it wasn't necessarily pointed at elected officials. It was more trying to recognize that if you are an elected official on one of the boards, we're probably talking anyway, and there's not a concern that your voice isn't going to get heard. Um, and trying to make space to sort of pull in um, other folks that may, you know, may not have had other opportunities.
0: Well, that makes sense. The last portion of that makes sense. I know that on the sub on the sub budget committee, we have Councillor Mo and Councillor Rodley. On the board for sub is Mike Geister, who's also on the board for LCC and. Uh, Our Senator, State Senator Lee Byer was also Willama Lane board member, elected lane board member, and I was vice chair and currently chair of the Willama Lane Budget Committee. And so for those of us that want to try to find other venues to continue to serve, I like serving my community and I want to apply for some of these other areas, but I don't want to apply if if I'm just going to be told, well, you're an elected sub board member, so we don't really, we're not really interested.
1: Yeah, and... And like this, it's a decision for the, for the council to make. I know we've waived it in the past, um, but, and I know that that has been the logic that we have followed, Um, you know, sort of up to the, his, has sort of got, has gotten us to the point. It's not pointed at any, at any elected official. It's just, it's just more trying to balance, trying to find space for everybody.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about, um, as I'm looking at the website, some of the areas I need volunteers, some are highlighted in green and some are not. If it is highlighted in green for those that are going to hear this, does that mean there's an active spot open?
1: Oh, now I'm going to have to go look myself because um, I normally only see the list. The applications closed on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you have if you look at it, I would say just sort of email and see we're gonna put, just be on the lookout because we're, my guess is we're gonna end up having to go out for extended recruitment on some of them.
0: Yeah, so on the, just so you know, here on this website it has um, some are highlighted green, some are not. So I was just wondering if that meant for.
1: Yeah, I, I have to, would have to go look here. Um, I'm looking. Uh, those look like they're link. They're, they're just sort of links. Um, there's a press release, and maybe you can put it in the in, like right on the top. It it gives you the list of openings that yep. are still open, and then there's the box that says download for uh, for, for, cur- for current openings. Okay. I would use that. Okay.
0: And so, just let me open that right here. All right, so we are indeed looking for The City of Springfield is indeed need our constituents to who might be interested to come forward for the Springfield Library Board, the Springfield History Museum Committee, Springfield Police Advisory Committee, the Historic Commission, Springfield Community Development Advisory Committee, and the Springfield Arts Commission. Those are some uh, really interesting areas, uh, areas of service for our city. I've known people throughout the years who have been involved on the Library Board, the Arts Commission, the the Museum Committee. Uh, What would you say to those that aren't sure about time commitment or will I have to leave my kids, when do the meetings start, we've got homework, we've got dinner, do I have to go to the city or to some of these other areas, what would you say to them about some of those uh, logistics.
1: Um, there's a lot of cons- there's always a lot of questions in people's mind when they serve the first time the second time is a ton easier because you have the sort of rhythm of how it actually works. Um, I want to make sure that people know that at the current application process closed yesterday. Um, so please, you, you know, they're not going to accept any more applications, but watch for future postings. My guess is that they're going to be out there. Um, but like. When when we think about where we are in a in a kind of a post COVID environment, um, I don't know where we're going to end up. Like we've got some we've got some we've got some committees that want to come back to City Hall. Virtually all the committees are still meeting online. I'm going to assume that you know um, when COVID's over that we will still have people meeting online. And frankly, I'm fine with that. Um, if if a committee wants to meet on like meet online because it's easier for the for the committee to sort of deal with you know family issues and homework issues and the timing, and they don't have to come to City Hall. Let's leverage new technology and do that. It's not really up to—I don't think it's really up to sort of me or the council to sort of mandate one way or the other. Um, the other—the other thing that people come back to uh, sometimes is they feel like they don't have enough knowledge to decide. And my my advice to you is understand the difference between sort of staff and what the com- committee does, right? We have a great staff at city hall they're intelligent they're you know they're professionals they have a ton of experience right they understand technically how to do things that's really not your role your role is to think about what does the community need from your family's perspective and your experiences perspective so as long as long as you just you know if you say you know you're going to be asked hey, look, do we need a stop sign, right? You're not going to be asked how to design that stop sign. And I think it's really important to, to, to for people to understand that their experience is the thing that we're actually looking for. Their good things and bad things and things that are medium are the things that we're looking for. Um, and with that, and then usually the third thing is just a lot of communication. Everybody's a volunteer there. So people understand, um, you know, hey, look, can we move a time? Hey, look. You know i can't make it because you know june's the start of soccer and i'll i will catch you guys in july you know that stuff's perfectly normal and just over communicate and be a good team player and it all works out in the end
0: i i appreciate you saying that because that's uh, another component of these potential opportunities to serve for volunteers is that everyone's aware aware that we life can happen and does happen and that sometimes those circumstances require you know a, a couple of missed meetings and that's okay and so for the cons- constituents um so if they want to be on the it's going to sound kind of silly but i'm going to ask these this question so just so that people understand the historic commission you're not required to have a degree in history for the community development advisory committee no one's asking you to have a degree in public planning or for the museum committee, no one's asking you to have a degree in in um, historical data or anything like that. Just human, regular, interested, available people who want to get involved can apply.
1: Yes, it's you know it's the best thing. It's the best advice that we all have, you know, in work in leadership is just show up, be interested, be curious about what's going on, uh, you know, around you and you will have a great time all of those committees you will have a blast on
0: i agree i've served on many of them myself and it's all it's always enjoyable excuse me um how are we doing post holiday farm fire anything that is affecting the city at this time from the the uh rebuilding process
1: um you know i think i think it's important that um we still see the, the the impacts of that. So if you think about regionals, regionalization and sort of how we're we're parts of the county are pointed at at the at the city, right? Like our focus or emphasize or look to the city, especially in the holiday farm fire, those are folks that identify as East Springfield. Heck, some of those people go to our schools, right? We see those families live and work, work down here. Um, We still have people in, um, in uh, the city of Springfield that are, you know, are, you know, are in emergency housing related to the holiday farm fire, right. So just because you don't see, you know, there, obviously the fire has been put out, you know, a year, right, but like you still, they're still in. You know the county still has people in hotels here. We still have, you know, I think we still have some folks that are in, you know, RVs or emergency campers. You know, and we we have put up some emergency housing for folks. So understand that people are still displaced. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, and they're, you know, still sort of guests in our community, and that we're, you know, our role really is to sort of care for them and as they start to rebuild their rebuild their lives. Um, the city has done a lot to. Uh, like partner with the county to look for look for different solutions um, like we've done we've done a lot of work around making it easier for you know for people to stay in rvs on people's properties for a while things like that that make a lot of sense as we're dealing with the post holiday farm fire world um, public works does, has continues to monitor what monitor what happens up up river from a water quality perspective i'm sure you're doing that on the sub board too right it's just being really aware of You know that these all these impact zones right that's you know that's all water quality issues that come downstream at us and again at at, from a flooding perspective if we have a really wet year right the flood risk continues to be relatively high um but like public works and emergency management folks they are on it you know they've bought some additional equipment um they've thought about it they're 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 talking to their partners you know, in federal agencies and, and state agencies and in the county. But it, we, we still see the impacts are just sort of under the surface.
0: How do you feel that let's transition to our the SPD? How do you feel that all the changes are going with our SPD, Springfield Police Department? Uh, how do you think things are going on that on that piece of our community?
1: Um, I think things are going um, going well, um, you know, people are um this is going to take the time it's going to take right and you hear that constantly from, from from the city council and you talk about um you know in um in we talk about sort of like our faith in what the what what the pro- what the process is going to be right like you know there's there's a lot of work that still has to be done Probably two weeks ago we had a really really long really good work session about um everything from um changes to staffing, to additional equipment that we've really invested in the SPD. Um, But like this isn't going to be an overnight overnight thing. I've got a lot of faith in what um, Nancy Newton is doing with the SPD right now. Um, It's just going to take time.
0: I appreciate that. Uh, I think the constituents of the city, we all need to understand that everything is a due to process. And this is. An organization that has massive impact for us all and everything I think it's going in a very positive direction myself I'm excited about Chief Shear and his recommendations and you know we've you've just uh, uh, the City Council has authorized the body cams and then there's a software and then the training and then implementation and developing the skills to use it and all of that that's a, if you think about new software in your workplace and a year later, you're still figuring out how to use it. It's the same thing, but only can be more demanding because it's such on a larger scale.
1: Well, it's even more interesting than that, right? Because you know the city has got a list of probably 30 different recommendations that more or less we've said, yes, those sound like great ideas, right? We worked like a lot on sort of staffing issues and policy like in, in policy issues. And we have like the webcams are gonna take a while. Uh, the, the body cams are gonna take a while. The software is gonna take a while. Um, but more importantly, um, you know, you w- we as a community have to recognize that it, that this is a, you know, because we're working on something, doesn't mean that people that show up to do this type of work every day aren't valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and we can kind of look at things, we can kind of, we've got to kind of hold these two things in, in, in our mind is that we've got a lot of people that are hitting the street every single day that are trying to do the right thing. And we still should appreciate and value that as well as to acknowledge that, you know, there's stuff we have to work on. There, you know, some of them are things that are local. Some of them are national trends and we can do both things at the same time.
0: Thank you. I'd agree with that. We can do both things at the same time. Uh, how are things going, in your opinion, with fire and life safety regarding ambulance fire support for our city?
1: Um, fire. You know, fires in is always a a monster of an operation. We share a fire command structure with Eugene. It effectively operates as one is one is um, one government agency right now. Like so we're looking they're looking for long term for a new chief um and we also have to like we also have to have you know a big conversation about what do we want the government structure to look like so um i think there's probably like day-to-day fires doing a great job again kind of like anybody that works in operations fire police right you've got a lot of people that hit the street every single day that take care of this community uh long term i think there's you know the, there, there's going to be a lot of talk the next probably year and a half about, well, what do we want the governance structure because we share responsibility with Eugene to look like? Um, and how do we actually make this into something that's a little bit more efficient? All the work we've done in the last, like, and this is pretty technical, but all the work we've done in the last 15 years, it really operates really kind of a really clunky at the top. And without getting into a lot of the details, there's a lot of just stuff behind the scenes that needs to, needs to, kind of be straightened out, but that doesn't impact the, the, the work that everybody's doing on every single, every single day. Um, there's probably a whole show you could do just on ambulance issues, right? And how people respond to that, you know, and without getting, like, that is a big policy question. That is a thing that is, you know, that is sort of out there about, you know, how do we use resources and what happens when we call 911, you know, and, right? Like, and how do we fund that service? that is out there for in the in the five in the five to 10 year window. Um, and we just it, it's an important topic, right? Because it is an it is an expensive service. Um, and then, you know, and it works really well if you're having, you know, if you have high-end medical condition, you know, like a major car accident or a heart attack. But really what we're asking those folks to do is to respond to a a range of things all the way from the most critical um, issues that are the highest end all the way to you know small small issues, right? Like so, we've got to figure out what we want our our ambulance service to do, and then how do we serve what's left?
0: What is uh, if you know the numeric size of that force of?
1: Uh... Uh, uh, yeah, I, like I don't like I could give you a range of range of numbers, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you how many you've got you bring the fire guys on sometime. They, they, they explain this very, very well, and you go, oh, wow.
0: Yeah, it's been about a year since I've had them on. I'll, have, I'll definitely have to bring them back. And I definitely want to learn more about the, the ambulance issues. Well, it's the holidays. We have Springfield Christmas Parade December 4th. But before we talk about that, is there anything going on for Thanksgiving in the city of Springfield that you'd like to mention?
1: Oh, not that I, like, not that I know of. I know, like, we're, like, it's a pretty quiet month from, um from November. I know Willamette Lane's doing its usual holiday events. Um, that's always good to come out on that Friday and go um it, and get moving after all the uh, turkey and pie that we're, that, that we're going to eat. And it's also really important economically, is that we are going to be in a supply, like there's a supply chain issue and, you know, people are concerned about, you know, being able to find, find Christmas presents out of any year, the idea of going downtown to gateway, supporting local businesses and letting folks that are in this community help you address the, you know, whatever you're doing around Christmas is really important. And you can, you can do that. You can do that in November. This is the year, like if, of any year to really, you know, take the time and shop local and enjoy, you know, the atmosphere across the city during the holiday seasons.
0: Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the Springfield Christmas Parade, December 4th. Just first things first, out of curiosity, do you know the theme of it this year?
1: I do not. I know it's like the the amount of information that I know is it's December 4th. Um, I have not gotten that far into reading, reading any, but I'm interested to learn more about it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. My daughter's asking if we can put a float in, and I said, well, let's find out uh, what the theme is, and if we can figure it out, we'll do it. I think it's important, Mayor Van Gordon, what you said. I think it's really easy for us as consumers just to log on to Amazon and buy something, have it delivered straight to the door. But we do have a host of businesses, not only downtown, but all the way out to Thurston or other smaller side streets home businesses what would encouragement what would you like to say to the community about i mean you did mention it briefly a second ago but can we talk about this we got small set we got small business saturday or whatever that is and what i'm assuming the city is going to decorate downtown for the holidays yeah what would you like to say to the community about that kind of activity
1: well i i think I I back all the way up to, to, to 2020 sometimes. Right. And, um, and, you know, in, in my career, I entered the workforce in 2000, right. We, you know, I've seen nine 11 I've seen, right. I've seen the 2008 recession and then 2020 and they're all, they've all been pivotal events in the last year and they've all forced changes in how we work as communities and how we work as individuals. 2020 is going to be a pivotal event here. Don't let, Don't let your support of small business simply be that because we promoted it as being small business Saturday. This is probably the moment that we could all sort of take a step back and go, how do we just make it a, you know, a habit that we have as a community every single, every single Saturday, because they're not just open, you know, the the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I think that's a critical message to have. The other thing that I think is really important is remember, those are the folks that, you know, that we turn around and we ask for money to support our little league, right? Like, you know, fundraisers, right? They donate pies, right? Like, you know, we ask a lot of our, where our small businesses are. And I, and my instinct here is, you know, when you go to places, uh, they want to, they want to make sure you have a good Christmas too, right? Like, and it's probably going to be a little bit easier to sort of get the service and effort that, that you need to sort of navigate the I don't know what's happening with the supply chain, but like, I'm concerned about it too, right? And to have somebody kind of on your side through that is really it is really important. So it's gonna take a little extra time. I promise you, if you shop small business, Amazon's gonna be fine, right? But it, it it's a place you could put, put some energy into the community.
0: Very good. Let's talk a little bit, uh, Mayor Van Gordon, about economic development. Anything on the horizon you want the constituents to know? How do you feel like things are going in that area?
1: Um, yeah. I, the the I will tell you the things I'm excited about and the things that keep me up at night. Right? I am excited. Like I am genuinely excited about the work that's happening around around the sheer property. Um, you know, uh, it's called Blue McKenzie. It is a downtown redevelopment that is that people are working on right now um, that would put bring housing and a commercial floor into downtown. It, there's a really technical reason for this, right? Is when you look at if if when you look at this building and having it be all market rate and having it be available to folks. Um, it's going to bring much needed housing into our into our downtown, but more importantly, it's going to help people who are looking at their piece of property, see what the market's actually doing, which there are very few places in Springfield that you can really look to see what, if they could support or pencil out the de- developments. So it's got the chance to, you know, uh, trigger the next stage of development in downtown in the city. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. I'm at really pumped about you know the work that's happening in Glenwood right now. That's going to take a little bit more time, so please sort of be patient. But again, when you look across the city, there's investments that are happening in businesses all over the place, and it's a, sort of a broad-based, um, broad-based economic growth um, that is you know is you know it's small places, right? Like there's a new dental place out near McKinsey Willamette. That building's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognize that oftentimes we talk one Glenwood Downtown Gateway, but it's happening all across the city. And if you take a second as you drive around and really look, business the business community is really investing in the community right now. The thing that keeps me up at night, and I do not know the answer to this, is the workforce issues. Um, because that's really whole, the thing that's holding us back um, from, from an economic development perspective. Um, I don't have a great answer for it. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge um, over the next sort of five years or so. Um, I'm thinking about it a lot, talking about it a lot and understanding what we what we have to do and and understanding that as kids graduate from Springfield High School, we have to create paths to find good jobs for them. You know, we talk about current technical education. There's been a lot of work that's been done around that around that atmosphere but we've got to just do it better right because you've got multiple government agencies sometimes they don't talk to each other as well as they should one of the things that's really important to me is kind of that team of teams mentality right like get everybody in the same room make sure that they're talking seamlessly because the um if you're a parent or you're a kid you experience you know you you don't experience the hierarchy of government you experience it across this platform and you don't really aren't really concerned if it's lcc the school district the city of springfield right you just want to have you just want your kid to have a chance to succeed
0: i have a silly question for you but a sincere question for me to you to the youth that are between 17 and 19 or maybe 17 and 20 who are unsure about the future what the future might hold for them here what kind of message of hope would you like to offer them?
1: It will be okay. Right? Like um I would tell the the I would tell them, you know, don't su- like like I saw this saying the other day, don't suffer unneeded troubles, right? Like the world's more chaotic than it ever has been and it feels really hard to sort of navigate systems. Um and once you start, like once you just pick up the phone call and make that that phone call back, um, it becomes a little bit easier. It's not perfect. Um, but like just having the attitude of, hey, look, I'm gonna return that phone call. Hey, look, I'm gonna ask the question, how does this thing actually work and let adults and mentors and people around your life help you with it um, will will open a ton uh, a ton of doors. Um, I don't necessarily understand all the stress that they're under, but I do great right? because I'm not I'm not seventeen to 21 anymore. And, but I do recognize that they are in a lot of stress about trying to figure out how do they start their life. And, you know, they've actually like watching them go through 2020 and having kind of the rhythm of their life upset. Like it's been inspiring to me to watch them work their way through it because it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would tell them that there are people that are out there that are willing to help just ask.
0: I've spoken to many of the those in that age range, and one of the things I tell them is, begin to find places to volunteer, find out ways to try to make an impact for others. You'll meet other community leaders, community members. You'll build a, a sphere of influence you wouldn't otherwise have, and those that's those are also potential doors of opportunity for employment or ojt or or education whatever that might look like but i think that's a critical component for our youth as well as to find a place to volunteer
1: yeah yeah anything anything when when you realize once you work towards a goal it's going to happen it's like so just keep at it is the best thing i could say
0: and one a personal question, how is your wife and your twins adopting to their daddy who's the mayor or husband who's the mayor now? How are they ad- adjusting, <laughs> if you will, to the new uh, demands on your life?
1: Um, they, They've been absolutely great. Like I can't, I could not do this without, um, without Elaine, um, because it's, you know, it requires a, a precision level amount of scheduling around my house. But it also means that that, you know, I live a world in a world where Monday is sort of given to the city, if you will. Right. But on the flip side, like right, there's days of the week where I make intentional time to, you know, make sure my wife gets to go to, you know, the classes that she wants to go to or make time to, you know, to take it, to put things down. Right. The weather was great yesterday. I got done, kicked off work a little bit early and took the kids to the park. Um but, you know, I live, of, live in a world that even in the middle of that, right, like, if, if the city manager calls, I'll pick up, right, right, because it's, I live in kind of competing priorities. But, like, we we work our way through this um, as best as we can and as quickly as we can, sort of supporting each other and going through, like, going, going through each other. Now, the funny thing about the twins is sometimes I'm not sure that they... Um, they quite get it because they're sort of five. So we go between the extent of sometimes they like um, playing Sim City on my uh, on my PC with me because they could put roads in the playground and stuff like that down, and they're and they're pretty and they're pretty excited about that. And the other, you know, and sometimes you know, there's uh, the the RFQ announcement for um, uh, for Glenwood that was being handed out turned into a map for days and days about finding the Oregon duck at my household. So like, there's a, there's a handout that the staff was giving out as they met people and I had a copy of it. And that map was a toy for a while in, in, in my, uh, in my office. Right. And so, you know, everybody's doing great with it. Good.
0: Any final comments you'd like to make, Mayor, to the your constituents of the city and uh, or the staff of the city who make our government run?
1: Um, I. What amazes me about this journey so far is really right that sort of being able to show up for people, right? Like, and just talk to people about their corners of like. Their the corners of of this the city and how it's actually working and kind of find the joy that they see in the in in their in their work. Springfield has this unique ability to be both small and big at the same time, right? So I've been around this community for a long time, and I still find places where I'm like, we do that, right? Like, and that's something that's sort of really cool, right? I so I guess from my like from for for people in the city. I see how hard everybody's working. Like, I see how hard, you know, that we still have challenges left over from 2020 and people are optimistically kind of going forward in the, only, the way that we could only go and do it. But I also see that there's a lot of joy out there and a lot of things that are going right. And, you know, I'm really lucky to be in the role that role that I am and get to experience that. And it's, it's inspiring to see.
0: Very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've had with us today, Sean Van Gordon, Mayor of Springfield, Oregon. Mayor Van Gordon, we thank you for your time, the sacrifice of your time. I hear your, your, your precious twins in the background so sacrifice for your family, but I appreciate you're always willing to talk, make yourself available, speak to your constituents, uh, make yourself available for questioning and for participating. So we thank you, sir, for today, for your time. We uh, hope that you have a very good day with your family and thank you for your willingness to serve as our mayor and the sacrifices that you make on our behalf. Thanks, Mark. Have a good day, sir.